Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everybody today. It's good to see some visitors, quite a few. We're glad you're here. Uh, if you're passing through, thank you for coming and meeting with us this morning as we worship God and study together. And if you happen to be nearby, come on back. Uh, we mean it when we have our sign on the door that says, all are welcome. You're always welcome each and every time those doors are open. So thank you for being here. We do hope you will stay for a little fun. We have after services today, titled about all things green. Uh, it happens right back there where the food will be. So we may have some interesting creations. So we hope you will stay with us. And also wanna make a special uh, thank you and welcome to the individuals at the Knowles Assisted Living Facility. Uh, we're so happy to be getting to know you and are glad that you were there. Uh, we're not live with you at this point, but uh, we love you and we're going to enjoy getting to know each other as brothers and sisters. Uh, someone will be there today when you're watching this, obviously, but next week, I think I will be there uh, live in person at two o'clock and share some thoughts with you. So thank you for uh, being with us, we love you. This morning, we're gonna talk about the coat of many colors as Thurl just read. And yes, I'm going to do it. I happen to have a coat that's very vibrant with a whole lot of colors in it. I can figure out which way it goes. So I will do things preachers may never have done before. And we're gonna put on this coat of many colors. It's a intelligence test as well. <laughs> See whether I can figure out how to get it on. Now I have no idea if this of course is what the coat of many colors looked like when uh, it was given to Joseph. I appreciate Thurl loaning me his morning robe for the picture on the screen. Uh, I tried to get a picture of him with the robe on, but he wouldn't do it. But the coat of many colors, let's talk about the coat of many colors. This is gonna be the first of a series of lessons we're gonna do over the next few weeks. And the series, I think, will make sense about halfway through when we get there. So let's study what can we learn from the coat of many colors that Jacob gave Joseph. In the middle part of the book of Genesis, where we read, we read the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob had 12 children and loved them all, but he loved Joseph the best. Now, as a parent and as previously, and I guess still a child, right? It is a horrible thing to love one of your children the best. Even if secretly you do, you never let it out. That is a secret that you take with you to the grave. You do not express that where the other children know because it's going to create all sorts of trouble. And it does here with Jacob and his children. But he does something that infuriates his children, his other 11 children, in a special way. If you are going to really get the other children mad at you and certainly mad at their younger brother, this is what you would do. He makes Joseph a coat. So what's the big deal with a coat? Well, first of all, most children didn't have coats. You know how many times growing up, if your family decided to splurge, they might get you a special Sunday outfit that you wore for six months until you grew out of it. So if you are a child, you certainly didn't get a coat because you're still in that growing stage. So it's kind of, to an extent, what's the point? It's, it looks nice for a little while and then you can't fit into it anymore. I must still be growing because there are clothes I buy. I can't seem to fit into six months later either. It's gotta be growth. But in this case, he gave a coat to the youngest two of his 12, Benjamin slightly younger. But in this time period, a coat was not a garment of a worker. It wasn't something you put on to go outside because it was cold. 
A coat carried a special significance. It signified a person who had a position of authority, upper management, you might say. You didn't give this to the young child of a group of children. Jacob is giving, in effect, a visual promotion to an extent to this child that he already loves more than the other children. Not exactly a good thing to keep peace in a family. It stirred up animosity. As a result, Jacob's brothers uh, now truly hate Joseph. And every time they saw him with that coat, what do you think they thought? Dad loves him more than me, right? Not, it's, it, this is not going to work out well. Genesis 37, 4, the verse right after what Thurl had read, says, And when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, if they're not speaking peaceably, what do you think they're saying? Things that we likely, I don't speak Hebrew, but I suspect even if I did, they wouldn't be things we would repeat. They're not happy at all with Joseph because of the strife, the stress that's been brought up. Proverbs sometime later, the Proverbs would write in Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife. There's going to be strife between all these brothers, in part because of Jacob's actions. It stirred up envy as well. Verse 11 of chapter 37, his brothers envied him, but his father thought about what all these things could mean. Joseph has talked about his dream, that the dream that all of these sheaves would be bowing down to him and the sun, moon, and stars would bow down to him. He's verbalizing this dream, which is a mistake Joseph makes. But his father keeps that in mind going, I wonder what his dream is going to really turn out to mean. What's this going to do? Piling on, right, to the different things that his brothers would have to really not like him very much. Did they envy him for the coat? Did they envy him because of the displays of affection that his father had shown them? Probably. But Joseph added fuel to the fire by verbalizing these dreams that showed, hard to avoid the meaning, that his brothers would eventually serve him. There's that old book, right? How to win friends and influence people. I'm not aware of one that says how to stir up your brothers and sisters so that they hate you. Maybe we should write one. We could probably pull right out of Genesis 37. When you look at what verse 10 says, right? When he told this dream to his father, even his father got mad. His father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow down ourselves to, to the ground before you? Again, if something's burning, you don't put gasoline on it. But this has all been gasoline added more and more to the fire. It certainly would have started conversation. You didn't have a lot of colored things, right? This coat, according to the Bible, unlike this thing that I have on, had long sleeves that, and they reached all the way down. It reached all the way down to the ankles, much more than simply pulling on a shawl or something like that. The ordinary robe would have been one cloth with a hole cut in the middle, just pulled over the head. That's kind of what people would have worn as their day-to-day -day clothing. Most of them didn't have sleeves, so to put sleeves on the coat would set him apart, or her apart. He had a woman that had a coat like this. It's going to be an eye-catcher. The colors are certainly going to be an eye-catcher, right? But it's an eye-catcher for anyone to have a special coat like this. Something else would have started the conversation, the coat of colors. There must have been something about the colors in the coat. Now, I believe that each color is going to say something. In fact, that's what we're going to use as our series. 
we're going to look at colors that may have been in the coat and say, what does that color suggest according to scripture that we can, can learn from the colors? You know, we're going to talk about one color today, and I have no idea if Jacob meant some kind of message to Joseph from the colors. I want us to pretend that he did. Let's pretend that the reason the coats of a whole lot of colors is that Jacob wanted Joseph to learn every time he saw the colors. At the very least, I want us to learn and remember every time we see the colors that may have been in this coat. So by looking at those meanings, I want us to get a vision of what the hopes and dreams should be for our children and for ourselves in a coat of many colors. So let's look briefly at the first color I want this morning. Now, what is today's focus that we're having in a little bit? Green. So we're going to look at green in the coat of many colors. I don't have any idea if the coat actually had green, but please suspend the disbelief for a moment and let's assume it had green. This coat has green in it, right? Kind of a lime green, perhaps, but it has green in it. This coat has green. So green is the color of life. If you look outside, we see hints that the world hasn't truly died, that it's going to be coming back. That's what we're all hopeful for with spring. That's the reason we've got an all things green lunch that's coming up because green is that, that revival of hope after a long, cold winter in Tennessee. It's just gray for a couple of months. It's just gray and it misses. That's typically what our winters are here. But when you see that first, if you will, sprig of green, yes, the world truly didn't die when it was dark and cold. Green means life. And it's associated with different meanings of growth, harmony, safety. In ancient times, it certainly focused on fertility as the ground seemed to be fertile, right? And plants would grow and crops would grow. There was also the hope that there would be fertility in the family. If you didn't have children, then you didn't have people to help you with your work and the, the family or the nation could die off if you didn't have children. The color green is also typically one of the most restful colors for the human eye to see. Uh, it takes up more space, if you will. If you look at the visual spectrum, I didn't bring a spectrum today, but if you had a spectroscope and threw it up on the wall, the area that's relatively greenish is a fairly wide area compared to some of the other colors. That's one of the reasons it is the dominant color in the world. You ever thought about why the sky is blue? Well, it's because the sunlight coming into the atmosphere is refracted and blue scatters first as one of the shorter wavelengths, right? When you get to the next wavelength after the blue is gone, what's the next wavelength in the spectrum? It's green. So green light, it makes it through the, at the atmosphere from the sun a whole lot more easily than blue does. And that green light being of a shorter wavelength, sorry for the science lesson, has a, a lot of energy. What color are the leaves of plants to catch the energy and make use of it? Green. That's why in God's wisdom, he has plants have green leaves in green because they are catching the most energy possible. If they had blue leaves, they'd be kind of starving more than they need to be because there's not nearly as much blue light that makes it to the ground as there is green. If they had red leaves, I know on some science fiction shows, they'll show plants with red leaves and stuff. Red doesn't have nearly as much energy in the wavelength as green does. So we see from green the idea of plants and growth and energy. It's also a natural choice in the interior of homes. Many people like green things in their houses where they live. 
because it's, it's the color that we're all used to seeing someplace. It could have stood for so many things had it been in the coat that Jacob gave to Joseph. Let's look at some of the meanings of green that I want us to remember from passages in the Bible here this morning. Psalm 23, Mark did a great job this morning leading us in singing. When we think of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I stop there and confess that when I was growing up, I had no idea why the Bible would say that. I want Jesus to be my shepherd. Why would I not want him to be my shepherd? Because nobody ever stopped to explain to me growing up that the real meaning is the Lord is my shepherd, I won't need anything. I would repeat it because that's what we did in church. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, but I always felt really bad because I want Jesus to be my shepherd. Why would the Bible say Stop and explain things to young people in different ways. Rephrase things, use language to help explain what it means because I guarantee you, I surely wasn't the only one growing up who did not know what this first statement of Psalm 23 means. The Lord is my shepherd, I won't need anything. Why? He's going to take care of me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He doesn't make me lie down in the middle of the rocks. He doesn't take me to dead ground or dirt. He takes me to where, as a sheep, I will have things that I can eat. He takes care of me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters where they are relaxing. He restores my soul. So certainly peace and security from God can be thought of in green here from Psalm 23. Psalm 52. But as for me, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Why would the psalmist say that? What would he mean by that? By being in the house of God, as God's olive tree, as it were, God is going to take care of me. I will have security. I will trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. So I think here again, the whole idea of God taking care of us is imaged, if you will, by the color green. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. Why? Because being by the stream, if the heat comes, the, the tree still has a source of water to help it from drying out and dying. For its leaves will remain, because it's got access to water, green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. What does that say, the color green? Well, if we are this tree planted by God, God has planted us where we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to fear that we're going to dry out. We're going to be able to uh, flourish, if you will, in God's orchard, in God's world. And we should, as the prophet here says, continue to bear fruit. A couple more. How do we remain green? Specifically, how would we as Christians remain green? Well, green is the color of growth. I mean, plants grow, right? I mean, when a plant first comes out, it looks almost like a worm if you've seen it, right? But then you'll have a little green leaf and you see green. If you don't see green on a tree, you think the tree's dying. You think the tree's dying. When somebody's young, you say he's a little green because he hasn't really grown yet, hasn't matured. We need to be maturing. We need to be green. We need to be growing as God's family. So what does the Bible say about how we need to grow? 2 Peter 2.2, 2, 
Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Somebody that becomes a new member of God's family, even if they're 80, 90 years old, is a baby because they have been born again. They are now members of God's family and it's time to start growing. A little baby's cute in a diaper. It doesn't look so cute when somebody's like that in their 60s. It's okay, you think sometimes, you know, they're there, we, we pat the baby on the back when the baby's crying, you have no idea why. It's not good when you have a 60, 70 year old who's crying and acting like a baby. We expect people to grow up. We as Christians need to grow up. We can't stay babies in the faith forever. We need to grow and mature. How do we do that? We have to long for the spiritual milk and that spiritual milk will be the word of God. That'll be our challenge for today. That's a little hint of what's coming. But that'll be our challenge I want you to leave with. Back to Psalm, Psalm 92, 12 through 15. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To do what? To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did you notice a few things in there? They still bear fruit in old age. When we become a member of God's family, we bear fruit and we can continue to bear fruit no matter how old we are. I don't know, I'm not gonna ask, I don't know who the oldest person here in the audience is this morning. I don't suspect we've got anybody that's 100, you know, but no matter how old you are, you're still living for God and God says you can do things that will bear fruit. What you do may change over time, right? That's okay. Find some way to help others and show your love for God and neighbor. That's what God expects of us at any age. You need to keep growing. John 15, five and six, Mark sang this song, led this song for us here again this morning as well. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. You know, to be growing, if you think of a vine, whether it's ivy or something else, the only reason leaves are at the end of the vine is because it's connected by that trail of the vine to the source of nourishment. What's the source of nourishment for each of us? It's going to be Jesus. I am the vine and we're a branch. If I don't stay rooted to Jesus, if I don't stay connected to Jesus, if I do not stay connected to his words, I can't do anything. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. If I don't abide in Jesus, I'm gonna shrivel up and I will perish. The only way to continue to grow and continue to thrive is to stay close to and attached to Jesus. Stay close to God. Love and pray all the time. Does that describe us? I want to take a moment and ask each of you to think about your life here today, this week, this month. Have you been staying close to God? Have I been staying close to God? What does that mean? Do I have my trust in God? Do I have my roots, as it were, to draw my nourishment for facing the world from Focusing on God and focusing on the word and the wisdom and the teaching of Jesus. 
Does my life look like I have been loving myself more than my neighbor? Does my life look like I have grown in the last week, month, year? Or does it look more like it's a shriveled vine that's lost its connection to the source of nourishment? I don't know if green was in the color that Jacob gave Joseph. I want to pretend it was. Because I want us, I'm going to be, it's warm in this coat, believe me. But I'm going to be wearing it each week because I want us to remember when we see green, we are supposed to grow. And the only way we can grow is to be attached to Jesus and focus on his words. That does not describe you today. It's time to change before you may be cast away as a shriveled vine. The only way to become a member of God's family is to understand your sinful condition, to understand that we all chose to do what we wanted to do instead of what God wanted us to do, and that while we were sinners, he sent his son to die to take our place so that we would not have to face the consequences of our own choices. What does God expect of me? I need to receive that gift. I need to change my life. I need to change my mind. Turn away from living for myself and turn to living for God. That's repentance. I need to be telling people that Jesus is my Lord, that he is the one who saves me. And he does that according to passage after passage in the Bible. When we are buried in water to be baptized, reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that that old me can die under the water, be buried. And the person that's raised up out of that water is a new person, a member of God's family, ready to begin growing to become the kind of person God wants us to be. If that's not you, please don't leave today without being born again, becoming a new person. You're a member of God's family, you just haven't been focusing on studying. You haven't felt close to God. The way to get back to God is to come and say, I need prayer. God, help me become the kind of person you want me to be. We are happy to pray with you, whatever your need. If there's anything we can do to help you this morning, please don't hesitate. Come as we stand and sing.